he smokes the bum all the good old days. You don't have to explain it. It's just the way you are. That country's in your blood now, ain't it? Like a tattoo on your heart. With this hell yeah inside of you, you let out on a Friday night. And some people might call it wrong, but right here, yeah, everything's just right. It's called raised rowdy. on vacations and have hot girlfriends and like you're doing your own thing yeah we don't have enough money to have any of those things well we can trick so we just have each other yeah we have to trick them you know? that's true we don't have money for kids so we don't have them running around <laughs> no. you know like we're all like well we have no money let's just all hang out yeah with no it's money way better with cool guitars though yeah it's yeah like, with dope guitars exactly and all awesome sm7b's sm7b and if and then when someone becomes famous you know it's like uh the entourage yeah movie it's yeah. like it's yeah. literally Luke's cruise that way. Dude, that's like it. all of his friends are well, yeah, everybody... like cutting their songs. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. I think that he's is like, the... here's your hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Here's your hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He's all saying that to Ray over and over again, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that that's that's like the if there was a maybe not a life hack or like a like a like a rule book to the music industry in Nashville, that's it. Find your crew. Yeah. And the rising tide raises all ships. Ships, you know. Oh, this is it. We're on. Yeah, we're we're rolling. We're living that right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's it's it makes it way more fun to win and and way better look. You know, when you're losing. Yeah, yeah, losing's not that bad if you lose with a good group of friends. No doubt, not at all. It's almost not losing. Exactly, especially because you're eventually going to win. You're just learning together. You know, at that point, and so that's what's cool. And it's cool to see Luke would be like the best example of that is that he is has made so many other people's careers and allowed them to stay here and do what they're doing yep. from Rob Snyder to Rob Williford to even Channing to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, they're not all Shane McNally cuts. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. you know, and it's, there's <laughs> like, something about the everyman record that, that, like, at least I'm proud of on this record that yeah. no one who wrote on this record with me has a publishing deal. And they will, you yeah. know, maybe not because of this record, but, I mean, they're all great writers, you know, so it was kind of an underdog uh, project. But it's an underdog project that is your it it, it epitomizes what your crew is. And yeah, it, and it it's it that's what you are, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I would team. say that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, that's what I believe in, and it's you know you got to walk the line of you have to watch what you say and what you think because just because something is popular doesn't mean it's okay. It's not good. Right. Yeah, you know, and and yeah. a lot of times you end up being like, oh, that they're a sellout, you know, whatever, I'll and sell it's out like right now. It's cool to be the underdog, but but with the idea of wanting to get your music to the most amount of people that you can. Yeah, I will sell out right now. It's just not selling your morals to get there. Exactly. Yeah, I'll sell out right now if they say you can do exactly what you're still doing. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. What you're doing is what what they want. Then and that's you can call it being a sellout. Then I'd sell out right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's you know, and that's I kind of feel like that it's misconstrued. Yeah. In that way, it's like you just have to follow your heart and find people that make you better being yourself. Yes. And then, you know, unconsciously, you help them do that too. Yes. 100%. And, you know, and I feel like that's what we are trying to do. Yeah. You know, you don't ever master that, but you did, you, you all figure it out together. I guess I should intro the podcast since we've been yeah. rolling. I was thinking the same thing. Yes. <laughs> well, guys, welcome to the Raise Rowdy podcast. Um, you're here today with your host, Nikki T, and our first time with our co-host, Kurt. Kurt Ozon. Welcome, everybody. 
and we have a special guest, Mr. Nate Frederick with How us. How y'all doing? Welcome. Welcome. Who we've been talking to for a while already. Yeah, like an hour. Sometimes it happens like this. You know, we've had we've had a, a beer. Yeah, that's good. We've only had one edit. Yeah, yeah we've only had good. one edit you know. so far. But we have uh, we have some red solo cups flowing with some relatively warm Miller Lite because the kegerator's not plugged in. It's kind of gross, but kind of great though. It, yeah, it is. It's got its own. You know, it opens up the palate. It feels right. You know. Yeah. It does it's like college? Right. It is. Yeah. It just feels like you know in this house like a warm beer's you know. Par for the right. course. It's on yeah. brand for Ray's Rowdy yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Warm beer, Ray's Rowdy. We're just going to make a t-shirt that just says that. <laughs> <laughs> but man, I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast. Man, We've I'm excited to be here. Talking about this for a while, and I've been a fan of Nate Frederick for a long time. I've actually played you on our radio show. Yes, you have. Yeah. Uh, I played the Dreamer. I remember the first time I played it. Uh, they were like, are you really playing a five-minute song? And I'm like, I sure am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, when we wrote that, uh, everybody was like, well, that's not going to work. You know? it's like, <laughs> but it does, And though. you're talking in it. You know? yeah, you're yeah. talking and it's five-minute song. Not, but not it's, a good recipe. But that hook, you know? though, is so good in the chorus. Yes. It's too good. It Absolutely. is. I think everybody just waits around for that long enough, and that's what gets you to, you know, to, to enjoy the song. So, Man, that's a, I remember the first time I heard that. And you were like, yeah, we, this is the first cut. We just like cut it and we're like, that's it. It's done. And I was like, man, it's turned out so good. We did. Yeah. Um, I came home after bars one night and I used to live in uh, 12 South and my roommate, he had kind of a little studio kind of like this upstairs in um, his room. And he was like, come on up here. Let's I heard you playing that song, you know, a week ago. And I sat down with a glass of whiskey and we did one take and that was it. Fixed it. And then I was like, well, this is super cool. I have no money, so I'm just going to put it out. Heck know? yeah. <laughs> but, dude, there's something to that, right? It's raw. But that song, if you're talking about the expression in it, right, like that 18-year-old kid, oh, it's yeah. raw emotion that's driving him to do what he's doing in that song, you know? For sure. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. You know, he's, he's perfectly ignorant. It's relatable. At that point, yeah, yeah, relatable to where it's like everyone knows, like, when you're 18, like, you're an idiot, but you just definitely don't think you are. No. You know? I always say I wish I was as smart as I thought I was when I was 25. Oh, man. Or just had the confidence to be like, I've, you know, we talk about that in golf sometimes. It's like, you're a really good putter when you're a kid because you never have missed any, you haven't putted enough times to miss. Right. Like, it always goes in, you know? (laughs) And you're just, you just haven't ever failed, really. And there's a beauty to that. Yeah, there's you know. a beauty to ignorance. There yeah, you still is. believe in the, the the shooting star, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know, you know? It's it's cool to keep yourself right. like that from an artist standpoint. You know, yeah. you start to overthink things and think too mathematically about stuff. Yeah, what else? What what is everyone else doing? What should I be doing? Yeah, yeah. Instead of being like, you know, is this up enough? Yeah, whatever? you know, and then you lose it somewhere, you know, Somewhere along the way, you just start thinking about it in this very dense, you know, uh, just vanilla way until you can figure out a, a, a way to reinvigorate yourself. And I think that's where always the goods are at. Yeah. You know, just in the perfectly imperfect belief in something more than understanding of it. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you're thinking about, like, music in, in a, as a whole, right, you're thinking – it's about what you want to express, right? As an artist and as a songwriter. Right. So I think that's the clearest way to get that out there is to not be worried about writing a song if you're thinking it's going to be number one, right? 
You're yeah. writing a song to make it a good song, and you're writing a song to make it an expression of who you are and something that you want to express that day. Well, and I think that maybe you understand that the most when you have, and I, this is not my experience, but you know, if I had written a song that I didn't believe in and it got a lot of traction and I had to yeah. support that, that would probably prove it to me the most. Yeah. To where I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I even want success in something I don't believe in. So I'll try and, you know, to, to stay true to myself the whole way. Um, because in the beginning, you can always say, like, I'm just being true to myself. I don't care how much recognition you have. And that's not totally true because you've never had it. And you right. don't really know what that feels like, you know, yeah. to be on the top of whatever your mountain is. Yeah. And and so you want people to hear it and you want validity. And, and so that's why I think it's important that you have to find people around you that just think like you do because they can give you validity that no critic or fan or record label executive can give you. Yeah. Because they get you. Right. They understand who you are as a person. Yeah, and that is sweet. Yeah. You can yeah. drink warm beer all day with those people. You I know. Like out. Especially when you're writing things that like aren't out to market yet. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you want to do something different than what's on the radio. So it's like, hey, I'm doing this thing and I'm using like your record has a lot of cool chords in it, like secondary dominance and stuff like that. It's like that's not on the radio. Right. So it's like you play that to someone that's listening just to the radio, they're gonna say, Well, that doesn't fit. But when you have a crew and they're like, dude, that's like maybe the next thing. Right. Yeah. We're going to hear more like traditional sounds coming back, like harmonically or whatever. And and I do think that, and, you know, if that's true to you, then you should do it. But like to to just do that because it's different is a different avenue. Yeah. Sure. But I do think that as an artist, like you should have your ear enough to the ground to go where the puck's going to be. Like, yeah. you know, yep. from a talkie term. That like if you're doing what's on the radio now, that is a burnt out star. Already. Like you're seeing the light of that that is gone. Yeah, this, you know, the that songs was, that were getting cut of that are three years old. You which is I mean? so crazy that because people still are under the impression that that is not the case. It's like yeah. we need to write a, you know, a Luke Combs song. Yeah. It's like no, you don't. Yeah. Like late. that's already been done, man. Yeah, like, he's not even writing Luke Combs songs. He's like not. Anymore. Yeah. So right. it's like you have to. You know, you have to take what you know and be a good listener, like we talked about, and, uh, you know, try to create something of your own because it may be the next thing. You yeah. don't know that, but, like, yeah. you got to be running next to the train to get on the train. Right. That you can't just sense. stick your arm out. It'll, you know, rip it off. Yeah, that makes sense. So It's cool to see your whole crew, right? So if I'm talking about a crew of people in town, like when you had your release show at Revival, yeah, just that picture... And all oh, of those folks in that picture, I'm like, I said on Instagram, I'm like, in 20 years, this picture is going to be worth a lot of money. Oh man, you and, know, and oh, you yeah. know, and it definitely will to us. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> like, like if, if if nobody else cares, like, yeah, yeah, that's for better a special, or for worse. yeah, you know. I mean, uh, to have that type of community, like that picture was just like reiterated it to me. It's like, man, we are all in this one together. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, that's your it's just a cool thing. Like that is. You know, that's what I thought Nashville was when I was going to be when I moved here, and I I couldn't find that or didn't, you know. It took me a while to find that. It wasn't but, easy. But that yeah. was definitely what I always wanted it to be. And I think that it's it's the same for the people that are involved, you know, in our group, is that, like, everyone's searching for that. And if you put that out in the universe, you can, you know, those people may be able to find each other. Yeah, yeah, and there's no better place to do it than right here in Nashville. No, because you're in the game, man. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you have to be present to find those folks, right? You're yep. not going to find them in your hometown of Missouri. You know, you might. You might find one. You might find two. I mean, this is where all the people that were good in their hometown went. 
went, yeah. you know, and so you're, that's what you have to remember. Sometimes like if you guys have an idea or, a, you know, as like my group of friends or anything that you're doing is like, you're doing it on the biggest, you know, scale. Yeah. So it's, you need to be a little easier on yourself because it's like, this is where things are happening. Yeah. So, this is where all the best guitar players are yeah. in the genre. This so is it's where like, it's, it's really here to make you better. It's yes. not here for you to like up your status. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, if you're getting in a writing room with someone that's a good writer, you're going to pick up bits and pieces of their writing, you yeah. know, and you're going to become a better writer because of that, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the city makes you what you're supposed to be Yeah, to fit into, you know, the deal. Yeah. What do you think about that, Kurt? Absolutely. I was just <laughs> going to ask, uh, let's say, who was in the photo for those in podcast land? Um, Who's in the, the okay, name Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to leave anyone out. Yeah. When there's I'm like not, 30 people in the photo, so Yeah, so uh, we have Chris Canterbury. Mm-hmm. Matt Daniel, Gabe Lee, mm-hmm. Tyler Halverson, myself, Nate Frederick, Harper O'Neill, J.B. Strauss, Ben Chapman, Chad Bishop, Meg McCree, I just said Harper O'Neill, mm-hmm. Vinny Paolizzi, who actually runs kind of Revival now for Rob. Yep. And Joy Beth Taylor, mm-hmm. Ryan Nelson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Lots of, I mean, that's plenty I think of people that's for it. Yeah, I think, people to go Google I think that the one person sitting there being like, and, and, you know, yeah. it's going to be them, whoever yeah. I've forgotten. I don't think I've forgotten anybody, though. And these are all co-writers of yours? Um, So we did all the co-writers on the record, and then Canterbury, uh, you know, and Gabe, and um, and, and I just kind of filled in um, the rest of it. Yeah. And with Joe people that were part of the crew. Yep, been there. and Joe was supposed to be there, but yeah. he couldn't be there. Yeah, he was out of town. Yep, so that was kind of a bummer. But that was the only person that we were really missing you know, um, and and obviously there's more people outside of that that have made right. everything possible and are still part of our crew. Right. Um, Colin Nash also was one that played, yep. but I forgot that was it right there. Dang. And so he is such an integral part of what we do. And, you know, it's just uh, everybody's super different, but they all uh, have uh, the same outlook on yeah. on music and maybe kind of like, you know, serving their soul. Yeah, and if you're talking... If you're talking about, at least in my head, that's the beating heart of what is considered Americana in Nashville, right? Like, that's the next crop of, like, what you should be paying attention to. If you were, like, at Americana Fest and all of those people had artist features, I would be like, yes, right. that's the folks in town that are doing the damn thing. Yeah, uh, you know, and and um, not to say that we're the only, like, people doing that, because that's definitely not true. No, and there's right. a bunch of East Nashville cats. And yes. Yeah. Everyone doing that... Um, we're all just like hanging out every day and doing it yeah. together. So I think it makes it a little more of, of a powerful full punch, mm. you know. Um, you strengthen numbers, I guess. Yeah, it kind of is. You know, it's 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 not that we're doing anything revolutionary or different. I think there's just enough of us together that, you know, we're we're trying to uh, hold the torch for that. Yeah, if you're pushing forward with enough folks and you're all. Say when when someone's lagging behind, you're grabbing them and you're bringing them back up where yeah. everybody else is. Or if you're lagging behind, they're grabbing you and bringing you back up. There's For power sure. in that. Yeah, and I think that that's actually what Nashville. Um, I don't know that they've lost sight of that as a whole, Nashville. But like, I think that's what Nashville needs to be and used to be and wants to be. Right. I think that's the that's story makes that great. makes people move to this town. For sure. You know, it's not a because lo- being an artist is a lonely thing. You know, and uh, 
to have that type of community, I think that's the lifeblood that really makes country music what it is because yes. other genres don't collaborate as much as country music. Right. Not nearly as much. You know, you need each other from players on the albums to, you know, I think that needs to come back. Yeah. And, you know, m- multiple writers and, and artist collaborations, not just necessarily staff writers writing right. you know, for an artist. I think that that is because you're making music then. You're not... Uh, you know, putting it together, synthesizing it or something, right? Yeah. And 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 whether we think so or not, I think that the listener can hear that. Yeah, for sure. And let's talk about the record specifically, right? So uh, we talked about your co-writers, and uh, the album is called "Different Shade of Blue," which is the title track off the song and the second song on the album. Yes, sir. Yep. Um, and I know you wrote that one with Matt. Matt Daniel. That was one of the first songs that we wrote together, just me and him. Yeah. I think the first one we wrote was called uh, All I Ever Need with Chad Bishop. Okay. Um, but but that was one of the first ones. And we wrote it over here, actually, on that couch. In the back here. Yeah, he where did. Where I live now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at Job's place. That's at awesome. Job and Matt's place at that point. Yeah, yeah. we wrote it right there. Um, was the murder mattress in the bedroom at that point? Yes, I think that it was. So it didn't live in the living room like it does now. No, and I didn't even. Oh, it, it is over there in the left. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So that was a, uh, and that was right after I met, um, Matt over because he was living with Ryan Nelson. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and I'd met him because I left my guitar after a revival round. In the back of Ryan Nelson's truck, and I had to come by the next day to get it, and uh, that's when I met Matt, and inadvertently a week before that, that was when I'd met Ben. Okay. And so then I kind of brought him along because I didn't have any friends and neither did Ben. Yeah. I'd lived here for three and a half years and didn't really have any. And um, I kind of brought him with me. I was like, yeah, this is my buddy Ben, too. And then we all kind of became friends. So that was kind of the beginning of that. And uh, How long ago was that? That would have been two and a half years ago. Cool. Um, and, and I just found out today um, – from somebody's comment on something that we'd done, uh, the the different shades of blue is actually a Joe Bonamassa record from a few years back. I didn't even know that, but really, yeah. So, um, well, Joe Bonamassa is pretty good at the he's, guitar. Yeah, he's yeah. great. And I didn't even, you know, I thought the different shade of blue was such a clever, you know, idea or whatever. But um, yeah. anyway, that was kind of a fun facto. But it is different shade of blue, not uh, multiple shades. Yeah, not shades. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we wrote that song and. Uh, as we were putting the record together, I was in Seymour, Texas, and we were getting ready this was during the pandemic and all that stuff. And I was in Texas for a month working with Matt. Yeah. Because he'd moved out there to work on a ranch. And uh, we were kind of trying to put together, you know, like you do in the pre production of a record and put together the track list and, you know, kind of the overall vibe that you want, you know, it to portray, but you don't even really know yet. And that song definitely was on in, in the top three of. You know, this could encompass an entire thought, you know, of songs or or batch of songs. It is like to the people back home at that point. It was like they would ask me like, "How are things going in Nashville?" And I'd be like, "They're great," and they go, "Really?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. because like to them it wasn't any different. To, yeah. to them, they're like, "What if? Why are you more happier now than you were?" And it was more of an outlook, you know, like a different, it's a different shade of blue. Yeah, so. That kind of encompassed the whole record, and it and and I know you didn't ask that question, but that no, that is how we came up with 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 the name for the record. Yeah, and I think that makes perfect sense. And yeah, if you're thinking about it, 
it's it's your outlook on things, right? So when you're releasing music, you feel fulfilled. You know, it's that fulfillment. Oh yeah. Once we had the record done and I had the board mixes and got to share with my friends, I was pretty much like, Okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't even, you know, I did care, but I had I had this weird like postpartum like depression with it where I was like, I did it. I did it for me. Like for me, I was like, This is, you know, what I wanted it to be in some ways I didn't even know I wanted it until I heard it, you know. Yeah. And so then the whole process of putting out a record and, you know, the year long process of doing that was a whole bunch of other challenges that were not near as much fun as writing or recording the record <laughs> in two days, you yeah. know. So, but that's but that's the full the full flavor of what it is to be an artist or a musician or you know anything like that. I think I can speak for Nick and say that it was worth all the work for yes. sure. It's it a feels like it. Album. Thank you, be you super proud. Of thank it. you, man. I I really am, and it, and and it's easier to be proud of it uh, because I feel like I shared it with a lot of people. Yeah. You know that I didn't get there alone, and it and it makes it way more fun to like be excited and proud of something that you didn't just feel like you did. You know, it makes it a little easier uh, to share that. It's way more fun. And I know we talked about. Yeah, you know, I asked you before the podcast. I'm like, what's your favorite song, right? And you said, well, what's my favorite song in what way? Right. Yeah. So why don't we talk about all those ways, like some songs that are just like super meaningful for you, and why they ended up being so meaningful off the record. Okay. Um, well, so I already talked about Tile Track. Yep. I've kind of given the a light on that. Uh, the Dreamer, which is the fourth track, uh, yeah. me, Ben, and Matt wrote, and we talked about that earlier. And, yeah. it, and it was a very left-of-center song that Matt and Ben was like, you can't play this at a writer's round. Like, you're talking through, you know, 90% of the song. And it's five minutes long. Like people aren't going to stop and listen to it. And like the more I would play it out, the more people actually would. It was like a reverse psychology effect. It's like this guy got really quiet and talked, and everyone stopped talking. You know. Yeah. I think the effect of having the verses that way really creates that contrast from the chorus to when that hook does set. It's like the listener is so primed for it, and then it really right. just sinks its claws in, and it gets stuck in your brain right. for so long. It's incredible. Well, Thank you, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was a it was more of just like an interesting uh, try at something that was. We've been listening to a lot of Guy Clark and watching yeah. Heartworn Highways and yeah. Chris Christopherson and stuff like that, and so you know, it just kind of inspired a story type of song that me and Ben started talking about, and uh, you know, we did it, and 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 it was a you know, I'll, it's a special song to me because of that, and because it kind of started. This movement of like, oh man, you can do something that you just feel at the moment, and it can Work. catch a little bit of uh, traction. Yeah, you know, you don't like like that was an unexpected. You know, I thought the song was cool and it was fun to write, but it was unexpected that people would like be attracted, kind of grab it. onto it. Yeah, and so like it opened up the door to be like maybe that you know, maybe you can just like do the opposite of what everyone's doing, and and it be beneficial you know, in a way. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of, that song is definitely like the the weird stepchild kind of like song on the album. That well, I think it, it totally works. And it's cool to hear the album version that's different from your like single cut. Tape, yeah, I almost right? like the first version better. I like the I produced like both, version, though. but they yeah. that's what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to make it anything like, you know, uh, the other version. I wanted them to be two separate entities, and I didn't know if it was going to work. It did, but I feel like it did. Yeah, and I think that uh, that way you can, you know, you don't compare them. Yeah, 
at all. Because they're so different sonically, right? Yeah, they're so different sonically and, yeah. and, and tempo-wise, like yep. much slower. And, you know, um, each one has its own, you know, personality. And while that song is a weird song on the record, I think it also ties the record together like Different Shade of Blue does. Like Absolutely. the Dreamer kind of is its own idea of that. Yeah. You know, that that this these group of people, if they were all that kid, are don't even know if they're wrong or not, but they sure believe it. Yeah. You know, and they're not afraid to put it all on the line because they had nothing to lose. Yep. You know. Man, it's beautiful. And then what else? What's another song that's just like, and why? I think is the um, cool part. So Forget Ever Loving Me is a song I wrote seven years ago um, about my sister on a date that <laughs> went bad. Um, and I tried to record that song, boy, five, probably five different times, like some, on some projects that never came out and demos and just never fit anywhere. And and I'm glad that I um, was hard on myself about like the production of the song. Like it's just not, it's just not working, you know? And so we would leave it off or, you know, I would just kind of scrap it. And then finally, like I was like, let me give this song another freaking shot, you know, on this record. And it was the last song that we did the first day of recording. Um, so we did 10 songs in the first day. I mean, it was the last one that we did. That's a ton of songs. Dude, it day. was, uh, yeah, David Dorman would call it tricky. That's what he always says. It's going to be tricky because we had two days in the studio. <laughs> and uh, that was the 10th song. And I was like, I didn't want to, it's a super hard song for me to sing. And uh, I didn't want to blow my voice out like halfway through. So I was like, I'm going to leave it for last. Did you guys cut it, everything all at the same time, or did you go in and overdub vocals again? Or uh, We overdubbed no vocals, um, so I played guitar and sang uh, at the same time. I played this guitar, my, my Macmillan guitar. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful guitar. And, and it's the only acoustic guitar on the record. Um, and we did everything to a click, uh, I think. I think every song to a click. Um, and we did like a couple passes through it, and uh, everybody kind of punched in, like drums and things like that. But... Um, you know, they ran a lot of it through a lot of their preamps, so I had the mix in my ears of kind of what it was going to sound like. So what I was giving, I was getting back, and it was a pretty organic It has that process. sound, for sure, especially the vocal. And, and I tried to chase that down for a long time and didn't really know how to do it. Um, we had great players. Um, that was going to be my next question is who played on the record. So David Dorn produced it. Uh, we had Tim Denbo on the bass, Aaron Rochette on the drums, John Conley on guitar, uh, Rusty Danmeyer played the pedal steel. Scotty Murray, who lives there, uh, he played uh, the dobro on patches. Uh, Dorn played the piano. Um, who else did we have? Uh, Matt Daniels sang the harmony on the record on every single song, but one of them, and there's one harmony. Um, Harper O'Neill sang it on uh, Paducah. John Conley guitar. It was pretty stripped down. Yeah. Deal, you know. I mean, and the sounds one sounds like a band, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it was like. I, I I didn't really know whether to say that we cut it live or not, but like we pretty much did. I mean, you know, we had to. You had to, right? To get it to all that done in one day, 10 songs in one day? Yeah. I mean, like we still over, like it wasn't just like press the button and whatever we get, we get. Right. But it really, from my standpoint, it was. I played through each song like two times and they were like, are you happy with your deal? And I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah. Easy. And, and then so they. They overdubbed their stuff, and then so my vocal and my guitar, like, was on. That's all you get. It was a scratch of both. It makes me like the record even more, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, it it was a it was a special day, dude. Um, and to get ten songs like that, 
Uh, it was really cool. And so when I had the board mixes, I was just like, like we did it. And then the next day, came back the, the next immediate day and did Patches, which is the 11th song. We did that. Um, David Dorn played piano on it. And then we had Scotty Murray come in and do the overdub of the Dobro. And then Rusty Dan Meyer overdubbed Pedal Steel. And Matt Daniel then did his harmonies overdubbed in. Cool. So it was uh, pretty simple. Um, I don't want to have to do it again. You know, it <laughs> it seemed it was very nerve-wracking going into it, and we just kind of got in a zone while we were doing it and then kind of blacked out and woke up, and we had a record done. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> and then we had to, you know, get it mixed and mastered. Uh, John Barron's actually mixed and mastered it, which I was like, I don't think you normally do that, but he did. Um, he had two separate spots to do it from. Um, and he did a fantastic job with the record and uh, mastered it for vinyl, too. That's so cool. So it was just like... What room did you all cut it in? I forgot to ask that. Uh, Farmland Studios. Where's that? It's over in like Berry Hill area by Lipscomb. So uh, Aaron Ratier, a guy that I talked about, he used to live at that place with the Murray brothers, Scotty Murray and uh, John Murray. And Anderson East built that studio. So they all lived together Oh, cool! in that place. And so Dorn, David Dorn, ended up renting it from him. And I'd gotten turned on through David Dorn through my buddy Gabe Lee yeah. and Alex Torres, Gabe. the Torres Music Group. Yep. And Love so Torres, that's yeah. how we got hooked up because I was like, Farmland and Honky Tonk Hell were, you know, such amazing sonic records. Absolutely. That I was like, you know, I'd really like to give this a shot if you're into it, you know. And Gabe is kind of like, in my head, his album had such critical acclaim right like it had yeah it had like nobody knew about it at first no one was doing that yeah you know and then a lot of people knew about it or at least in my world a lot of people knew about it yeah it it was definitely a it's so funny that things can be grassroots and underground and you still have a full team and and a full press and full everything on them it's like that's what grout like tyler children's record wasn't really just found in a basement right 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 you know had shooter jennings and sergio simpson and 30 tigers and like people had to work really hard to make it a grassroots release right or an independent yeah it takes a village man for it takes a village even to do it from an independent low budget level yeah and you know that's to do it right to do it right yeah, yeah to get it out and then it have the ability to be passed on yeah and 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 catch a lot of steam organically you have to get it up to a certain level yep for sure you know and it was cool to see that like with your record like you had a whole like promo package and oh yeah you know what i mean you had a team yep. behind it you know you work with torres is that well so like Really, it was kind of a tag team deal. Yeah. Like, Brooke Stevens has been, like, my day-to-day manager yeah. and introduced me to David Dorn and has done all of my content yeah. and photos and videos. And then we brought Amanda Quinton in, who's with Quinton Digital. She does all the Tim McGraw stuff and uh, Matt Stell and Kelsey Bellarini and yeah. has, like, a digital marketing company. And she ended up uh, inking, like, a deal with Universal and InGrooves for distribution. And so we used her. And then Alex Torres was kind of, like, the overall manage meant you know actual label company over the deal yeah and so everybody kind of didn't know what was going to come out of it but we all believed in the record and the songs and just kind of whenever somebody had a connection or a a, you know we just used all the outlets that we all had naturally and you know it kind of exceeded our expectations for the budget and time that we had to work on it so yeah it's funny how networking is like the business term but it's really just like Asking your friends to help you do things. Yeah, it really is a family like type thing. It's 100%. like, and you know, I never, you don't really realize that until you, 
you don't, you know, for the vast majority of my musical career, I've thought of it as this, I've got to get the attention of somebody that can just like make it happen for me. And more so it's like, I just got to find the right people that believe in me. Yeah. No matter what level they're at, right. we'll figure it out together. Yeah. You know, and, and that's really the, the, the secret sauce of the thing is like, know what you're doing, be really specific. And then if you know that, people can come in your life that can help you and you can help them. And so that's really kind of how that's felt, you know, Brooks, you know, gotten to showcase a lot of things and gotten more traction for herself and same with Amanda. And I think that what Gabe did has helped me and what we've done has then re-helped Gabe and everything else that Torres does. And yeah. so it's all, we're all just kind of like busting our ass together, you know, trying to make it happen any way we can. Yeah. It's kind of funny because the reason we sound so good right now is because we have uh, a amazing sound gear yeah. by Charlie Sherwood over here, who <coughs> who is the official producer of the podcast now. It's official. It's happened, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you, brother, man. It sounds great. Yeah. Uh, the gear that we have for this podcast is like unlimited times more than the one that we usually use. Yeah, then your potato. Just yeah. moving on up, baby. <laughs> yeah. The two microphones connected to a potato. Yeah, <laughs> good call. But man, it's uh if I'm talking about my favorite song from the album and the one that like just literally I can't get out of my head, it's Caroline. Oh man, a lot of people like that too. Man, I I, I just that's the one I'm playing on the radio this week. Heck yeah. Uh, I'm gonna like move around and play some different ones because I do that like I when can I'm play that album. one for you on this if you want me to. Heck yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, dude. I uh it's it's funny, like there's songs where like with my crew friends, so like my friends Heather and Taylor and like Sarah and those guys, you know, like the writers, the other parts of Ray's Rowdy will have like kind of like running jokes of uh-huh. that, just things we say. And Caroline, it's has become that in my like crew of friends. No like, way. I'm like, there's everyone else and there's Caroline. You know, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just like sent it back to my friends. It's it's like that. And it, it for me, I just can't get that. Maybe it belongs on a t shirt or something. Man, know? I think so. <laughs> we'll figure out a design for it. I can help. <laughs> Dude, I'm in. Yeah, but um, it's yeah. just one of those songs that just like lives in my brain every time I hear it. Dude, I'm pumped about that. Me yeah. and Matt Daniel and Chad Bishop wrote that one. Um, and we just kind of all had the girl's name wasn't Caroline for every one of us, but like we all had that one girl that we were like, oh yeah. Yeah. In high school that everybody seemed to have that same notion of and they were, you know, untouchable in a way. So that's kind of what that song is about. It's just so catchy, man. Like I just, uh, I can't even explain like how much that lived in. Like it's like an earworm, you know. Like it's and a super so, simple production. Yeah, it, actually, but it's fantastic. You'll be hearing that on Rage Rowdy Radio a good bit. Heck yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love uh, Long Overdue, obviously. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like Nick texts me, he's like, "Oh, like." They wants to play that song later. And I'm like, cool. That's the song. Like I came up to you at the the Rays Rowdy Round. I was like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Like no one else is doing that. Like I love the harmonies and everything. It's such a killer tune. Well, then we'll do that one too. Then yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that was a fun song to write with uh, Ryan. So I wrote two songs with Ryan Nelson on the record. One of them, the first track, "Be the One." Yeah, kind of a Jim Croce kind of song. And then this mm-hmm. one was, it was like Ryan came with the idea because he loves Taylor Swift. Yeah. He does. Ryan right. And he likes repeating words, and I think that's beautiful. And both those songs have that a lot going on. Yeah. And he wanted to write a double chorus. So it was like, 
actually like the pre is like also like chorus worthy. Yeah. And then we just wrote another one. Yeah. You know, and and there's a lot of repeating in that song and it kind of has a a little bit of Willie Nelson vibe to it, you know, yeah. from a jazz chord. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I got that vibe you know, when I was listening to it last night. What's that that record he put out um with like George on and everything? Stardust? Yeah. Willie yeah. Nelson record. I get that vibe from your record a lot too. Yeah, so it's got some of those elements in it. Um, you know. It's it was just so much fun to 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 collaborate. I feel like the record is really eclectic because the people that I wrote with for it are very eclectic. Yeah. You know, and so it's not like if I wrote it by myself, it, it it definitely wouldn't have been like this cool ride of songs because, you know, writing with Ryan Nelson is like you're going to get what you're going to get and it's not yeah. going to be like with anyone else. And I feel like that with everyone that wrote on this record and, and collaborated on it. And so it made it really fun to like everything seemed to sound a little bit like something, but right when you thought you had it figured out, it kind of throws you a different tune, yeah. you know? And then, man, Paducah, it's crazy to see the response to that online, too. Like, like Oh, yeah, it's been... And Apple Music has been absolutely great to us. Yeah. You know, like, they gave us a banner on the country music part of their deal and Americana. Yeah. Spotify has been great as well, like, with all their stuff to get it out there. Um, and the response from those people, as well as, like, the fans of the music has been, you know... Like the the ticket for us having yeah. no budget, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's definitely uh, you know kept it going. But I remember seeing uh, Dalton Domino, who's one of my favorite writers in Texas, and honestly, like some of my favorite songs. His album Corners from 2017 is like oh, one yeah. of my all time favorite albums. And he, you know, was doing one of those like question and answers on Instagram. Yeah, and he was like, they were like, "What's your favorite song right now?" And he talked about Paducah and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, it's, you know, you can't, I didn't really want to put that song out as a, as a lead single yeah. for the record. Cause I thought it was like the most, like didn't really encompass the whole record at all. It was kind of like a, like an outlier, a little bit of an outlier. And that turned out to be a, a totally wrong, you know, like yeah. that was a great move to, to get people's attention for the record and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was Burke Stevens' idea. But, uh, yeah, so, like, to see people like that song and, and actually explain it back to me in a way that I didn't look at it yeah, when writing it, you know, uh, and, and that's pretty cool. Well, and then there's a Paducah. Uh, what's Kentucky is the one you're talking about, right? Yeah, Paducah, Kentucky, But yeah. there's a Paducah in Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think it was Charlie Stout, who is one of my favorite songwriters from Texas, like a guy that wrote my West Texas in my eye on the Panhandlers album, mm -hmm. which yeah. is my favorite song on that album. He, uh, he was like, is it Texas or is he talking about Kentucky? <laughs> it can be, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's very specific to me as Paducah, but I feel like that everybody has their Paducah of yeah. like a purgatory of like a waypoint. Yeah, yeah. Like of, you know, whether it be travel or like emotion or both. Cause that's not what it was for me. So it's like, you know, you can take it that way if you'd like to. You yeah. know, the, the, it's like, you know. Just. I can tell you in my life there's signs that, a city sign that oh, yeah. brings an emotion, right? For sure. You know, and when I see some, it's really good emotion. And when I see some, it's oh, yeah. not good emotion. It's very Indiana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's heartfelt. You know, it, it's something that someone was 
from there in my life and they meant something to me and maybe they don't anymore. Maybe they do still, you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah. It can be song, either way, but there's those like, uh, you know, the jumping off things yeah. that like trigger the, yes. the triggers, you know, and music can do that and locations and visuals, you know, hundred percent um, can bring you back to either times that have made you a better person because they were hard or, you know, times you wish you could go back to, Yeah. you know, and, and that's, what's cool about songs and stories and, all of that stuff, and I think you know the the visuals and stuff that we had to go with the song. I think really uh, matched up well for it, and yeah. I think that helped people to kind of, you know, maybe at least be interested in like, I wonder what this record sounds like. Yeah, and I know like when we had talked maybe a couple years ago, I was like, man, your voice reminds me of like Ryan Bingham, mm-hmm. but this album doesn't. It, no, I actually not. stopped. Uh, not really actively stopped, but I. Uh, figured out to to stop singing that way because I would lose my voice a lot. And it yeah. just wasn't, it was more just like a mature way to sing that like, you know, quit quit giving yourself an affectation. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it, it's, it's not as earnest as just yeah. singing how you. With your natural voice. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to do when you're not even knowing it but trying to be something that you're not because you think things that uh, sound cool. That uh, I actually noticed that on a Brent Cobb record, the old like he he re-released a record, yeah, that he put out. It's I can't remember what it's called, uh, something no nowhere from home or something like that, and a, a picture of a barn. And to hear him sing on that record, um, it's n- night and day different than how he sings now, and it and how he sings now is more how he talks, you know. Yeah. And so it's cool to to watch the progression even of myself or, yeah. or anyone else to where like you. You kind of found your lane for you, and you were okay with however you sounded, you know, because that's the scary thing. Like, when you're singing, you're always trying to sound like something. Yeah. You know, or writing or playing. It just sounds and when so you, much more organic. Yeah, and, and when you don't try to make it sound like something, you actually sound like, you know, something that's believable. Yeah, you know, for you. So And protecting your voice, you know what I mean? And, it's like and just a better benefit. way to sing. Yeah, yeah, I think I, you know... That's uh, a healthier way to sing. It's an and, adult way to sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I could get across what I was trying to say because it wasn't hidden behind how I wanted it to sound. Yeah. That makes sense. You know? And, it's like Blink 182. They always like sing that way, like that punk rock sound. Yeah. Like, all the. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. What is that? Like, what all the bands, all those bands in that genre do that. That's what exactly do they do? Right. I always wondered that. And sometimes you get lost in the, you know, in the sauce of that. Yeah. That, for where it's sure. like, what are you trying to say? I just know that you're trying to make it sound like something. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what all the you know everybody should try to to do that as much as they can, you yeah. know, because I think it's scary, but it also ends up being a lot more approachable for others and maybe for yourself that you're like, this is just how I feel, and so that's where you're going to get the emotion, not because I'm trying to make it sound, you know, good. Yeah, I love it, man. I just think it's a whole project. It's one of my absolute favorite albums that I've seen in a, a few years like let alone this year man i i Thank hope you. it gets the critical claim that it deserves because it's such a well put together album it's such a fantastic collection of songs and it has a little bit like you said there's some stuff that kind of lives in left field a little bit right but i think that's what makes it great yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's one of the most honest things that i've ever gotten to do and be a part of yeah and 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 i'm more than more than proud to uh, to be the person trying to promote it. Yeah. You know. And the production on it, like and I mean this in like a big compliment way, it's like it's just so classy. It's so great. 
yeah, I mean that's yeah, so clean. I love uh, it. From it's the beautiful from playing. the players to the equipment to um, Caleb Fisher who did the mixing and and David Dorn with all the production. Like everybody seemed to be on the same page, mm-hmm. and we didn't have to sit down and make everyone on the same page. It was like, here's what's going on. Here's the songs. Here's what's happening, and everybody just kind of fell into line. They all got the vibe. Yeah, and that was you know you didn't have to tell anybody what to do, and that was so cool. Like I've you know. In my entire experience of of doing music, it's never been that easy. Yeah. For you, you know, and so I realized that it was kind of a stars aligning moment. You know, have you played that. with these guys before? Or we you... never played together before. I mean, we we will now. I mean, and 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 they've played at a whiskey jam with us, and then yeah. some of them played for our album release show. But no, um, me and David Dorn did like a couple like demos. Mm-hmm in the studio, not full band stuff, just like work tapes so we could send them. And they lived with them, you know, for two months. And then we kind of got pushed back because of all of the COVID stuff. Yeah. And we started it in May. And, you know, we couldn't have Brooke Stevenson there because everything was still, people had to wear masks and stuff. And uh, that was the first day that I met them. And we did 10 songs. And now they're your boys. And now they're my boys. Yeah. yeah. You know, and now David Dorn is too. And, and, and my next project I will do again with him. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just uh, pretty pretty emotionally special, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm super happy we did it, um, and, and there's so much anticipation, and it takes a long time to write that many songs and to pick them, and then to go do a record, and you just don't know how it's going to come out. And so while it was really amazing going through it and, like, the emotions were great, I do not I do not want to have to go back and do that again. <laughs> because you, Because you kind of come out and you're like, Holy shit, we're done. Like, I think we did a good job, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, I feel like in, in some of the best capturing moments of music, because we had a little, a low budget. I didn't have enough money to go back and make it perfect. Yeah. You know, I didn't have the time to go back and be like, oh, but if we fix this, maybe a little bit better. And there's a beauty in just catching it like a butterfly and just like keeping it and putting it out, you know? It's like a timestamp from like where you are in this age and with this budget, you know, like you'll never be here again. Really. No, that's cool you know, records. And so that's why, you know, it was a good example to me. It's like, you know, we didn't need a big budget and a bunch of hit songwriters. And, you know, we didn't, you don't have to have that, you know, um, at least in some instances. And, um, you know, the more money that I get or the more traction that we all get, I will always remember this record as being like, Remember, you don't have to have all that to create something that can touch people and touch yourself. Yeah. You know, and and become quote unquote good. You don't have to have all that those bells and whistles. Yeah. So it's uh it's powerful to see it happen and I'm just so excited for your guys' whole crew, man. Like Absolutely. A lot of a lot of my favorite songs in town are going to get released this year and oh, man. yours is a good portion of that, man. Dude, yeah, I mean it, it it's so cool that we're all we're on the same obviously met each other at the same level career-wise and maybe emotional-wise and we've all become so much better at since we you know first became friends, everybody's made each other better and to have everybody put out music kind of in the same calendar year um, is really, really cool because we all get to be on board with that, with people's releases, and then hopefully play shows together. And, you know, we just kind of, it's hard to keep everyone at the same level, yeah. you know, but 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 really growing together um, 
is is one of the coolest parts. You know, it probably will not stay like this for a lot longer, but as long as we cherish that, we'll probably keep holding each other accountable to to what it means to be an artist and a musician and what really matters, you know. And I think Luke Combs, to make another point, has really done a great job of that, you know, to keep his family close and they make him better and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours about all of his friends that he's lifted up with him. Yeah. You know, musicians and, like, his, like, day-to-day guy, Harp, is, like, his best friend from years ago and, like, just tons of stories like that. Yeah, I mean, it's if you're not doing that, then, like, what are you really doing kind of thing, you know? Because it's not about you. Music is not about being cool. Yeah. You know, it's about, at best case scenario, getting to be a part of something bigger than yourself that, like, gives you way more satisfaction than money or being cool. That's why people do it when they don't have any money, you know? so That's totally 100% right. You get to be a part of it. And and whether it's from a promotional standpoint or from, you know, a studio musician or on-the-road musician or writer or front man it's like you're all just a part of the deal yeah and that is as much as you should want yeah i mean you can't you can't buy good music no sure can. no and you have to become cool enough to make it yeah you know mm-hmm. and 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 that's the goal of moving to nashville is like you know hopefully nash i won't quit and move home and nashville will make me something cool enough that that i can do it yeah. you know because it's not really you doing it it's like just don't quit yeah and 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 it'll work. I'm so happy that I've gotten to kind of see your journey, right? And like, you know, from the early days of Rage Rowdy, like one of our writers, Ryan, was like, "Dude, this Nate Frederick is like yeah, the Ryan guy. McDonald, yeah." You know, and like, I don't get to talk to Ryan as much anymore, but I still remember that every time I listen to one of your songs, like, yeah. how much of an ambassador he was, absolutely, to your music for sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, you all gave me a chance when, when you know. Nobody else would, and and I think that we've all gotten to grow together yeah. in that sense too. You know, it's just yep. it's just so much. It's be in the last two and a half years, it has been so much bigger than me, and that's how I want to keep it. Yeah, you know, because it's yeah, you get to you know, hundred percent of nothing is nothing. Right. You know, what I mean, and yeah. so like diversify yourself and and uh, just become part of something. You don't have to be be the be the man yeah you know? yeah it's a it's a lonely journey to the top if you try to do it by yourself you know Boy, yeah who would want to do that feel sorry yeah. for anyone that 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 wants that right yeah agreed well man like i said since i've been down here in october it's been good to get you to see you over here writing that writing with joe oh yeah man. you know getting to getting to see your music and man i felt so lucky to be at that show at the local where you played the that album front to back man I've only been to one other show where I got to see an album played front to back, and it was Queens of the Stone Age, which is, like, my favorite rock band. And it was them playing their first record front to back, which was super special for me as a fan of their music. Right. And that record release party at the local just had that same kind of feel to it. Even though it was just the record you just put out, front to back like that, hearing it as you placed it into the world. Right. It was just a beautiful thing, man. Man, it was fun, and it was uh, super heartwarming to see the people that showed up for that. Um, you know, um, it was special from the from from the Whiskey Jam to the Revival to that. Um, it was just a perfect week, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just things have worked out better than – I don't take it for granted because I know that it, it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah. And um, it, it's been really cool. Especially with the timing and the world the way it is with things kind of shut down but kind right. of back open here in Nashville. It's almost like the perfect mix of there was enough open that it worked, but there wasn't so much open right. that everyone was in different places, right? Like, for sure. And it, I, you got yeah. a lot of folks that were your folks that are, were all in town for that week. Right. You know, which, yeah, for sure. And I think that even the timing that we chose to yes. put it out, um, there wasn't a lot of stuff coming out, yeah. you know, so it didn't get caught up in the mix of that. And it just, you know, we trusted our gut a lot and we didn't have anything to lose, yeah. you know. And so um, it's cool. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, I don't want to do it again, but I sure, <laughs> but I sure was you happy to experience it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and uh, taking the things that I've learned through putting its project out and understanding that it's not about getting it right. It's just about fixing a lot of problems and making decisions and trusting your gut because the whole process of this was always like, you know, in the, in the release process was like, Oh, we don't have to fix that. You know, like something didn't go wrong. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, I mean, for the, for the last eight months, me and Brooke Stevens have just been figuring out ways to find money and um, do the vinyl and, Plugging holes, well, you know, we were just we were just fixing stuff the whole time until, you know, we put it out and then everything came together. But like the rest of that, we were I felt like we were just dumping water out of our boat, yeah, the whole time. And so, to know that you can get through something like that uh, when the odds kind of felt like uh, they were against you definitely gives you confidence for future projects. And it's just like you know what, I'm here and we're gonna figure it out. Yeah, dude, it's beautiful to see. Mm. I ordered the vinyl and I think. Like based on the number, I might have been like the fifth one ordered. Oh, so it's amazing! I'm just like so. And so. then the vinyl got put back, pushed back because of production of the place too. So that was another mistake. But uh, they should be here by April first. So Dude, I'm so excited for it. Um, yeah, wait. it's going to definitely be worth it. I've I've had the test presses and and it, and, it, and it is a record that I was always going to have to put on vinyl because yeah. it sounds really. That's kind of where it lives. Yeah. So I just can't wait for it to come and. Thank you so much for coming over here and Dude, hanging out and drinking this Likewise, man. This us. has been really fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. Can't wait for some shows, too. Yeah, yes. that would be nice. Yeah, some yeah. touring, some gigging. That's really that's really my my favorite part of sharing music is definitely in the live performance sense. Yeah. Be the true test of the record, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And and you have to have all all three of those going on, you know, to to have the you have to have the online stuff and the the physical, you know, vinyl stuff, and then yep. and then the live show aspect of that. Be fun to see which songs are sung the loudest. You know, that's yeah. what's always cool about playing live, dude, for sure. And like, you know, the the way that we've done a couple, like the Witchy Jam and the the album release, we didn't have a whole lot of rehearsal time, and so to to start out on the road and really get tight with your band and kind of see where the songs go and stuff like that. That's that's a really fun evolution of. You know, because we probably aren't going to play it exactly like the record in a good way, right? You know, and and you get really familiar with the people you're playing with and the songs, and then, you know, even how the crowd responds to them. Like that's I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, man, I am too. I can't wait to go on a road trip and see you play in a different part of the. Paducah, it's going to be fun, man. Maybe in Paducah. Yeah, I think Let's I go. think maybe we can get people to shows in Paducah. Yeah, I'd be really good. So well, uh, we're gonna. So since we have a musician co-host now, yes. let's play. Yeah, we're gonna have Kurt play with Nate. This is amazing to end the freaking podcast. Like literally a dream for me. Let's go. <coughs> <laughs> so guys, thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you so much to Nate and for Kurt, my co-host. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Dude, it's been awesome, man. Absolutely, man. You guys are awesome people, and uh, I'm lucky to be friends with y'all. Yes. Guys, make sure you follow Nate Frederick on social media if you don't, and buy that album. Buy it on vinyl. Come on. And then this is Nikki T. And Curdo's on. And we'll see you in the front row. Smokes to burn all the good old days. You don't have to explain it. It's just the way you are. That country's